بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the beginning of guidance for Muslim women My name is Um Abdullah from MISC Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge. And I'm very happy to be back with another episode from our book, The Beginning of Guidance, Bidayat al-Hidayah, from the great and erudite scholar, the proof of Islam, al-Imam al-Ghazali, rahimahullah. May Allah raise his rank eternally, inshallah. Let's get started with our dua from Imam Haddad as we have a very interesting lesson ahead of us, insha'Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alamu wa ta'alim wa tadhakura wa tadhkir wa nafa'a wal intifa' wal ifadata wal istifada wal hatha ala tamassuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasulih wa dua ila al-huda wa dalalata ala al-khair ibtigha'a wa jahilahi wa maradatihi wa kurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa ta'ala in the name of Allah, the most gracious and merciful, all praises for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to call to guidance and direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance of Allah, his divine pleasure, closeness, and his reward, the most exalted and high. Amin. Remember that you can find that dua on our Instagram page at MiskWomen, and you are most welcome to come and join our private Facebook group, MiskWomen Halaka, and it would be great to see you there. Today's episode consists of about four paragraphs, which are the continuation, obviously, of the text, and it's where Imam Ghazali goes now into the ritual prayer, its methods and etiquettes. And this episode, inshallah, is just going to focus on the preparation of one's state of heart and mind before entering into the prayer. Inshallah, in the next episode, we will go into the actual performance of the prayer, which will mean its outward form. But today, inshallah, we want to look at the inward form. What state of mind and what state of heart do we need to prepare ourselves and be in before we actually stand there and raise our hands and say Allahu Akbar and enter into the actual ritual prayer? So that's what we're looking at today, inshallah. And inshallah, I want to do quite a detailed reading of the commentary because there are many fascinating and extremely important extra comments that the great Imam al-Jawi, may Allah have mercy on him and raise his rank, has blessed us with the knowledge of and inshallah given us this opportunity to learn. So inshallah, that's what we'd like to do today in this episode. I've called this episode Delight Us By It Ya Bilal, which is a translation of the famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, who said to his great and noble companion Bilal, Arihna biha ya Bilal. And delight is not an exact translation of Arihna. 
Arih is the imperative form of the verb araha yurihu arih, and it's a fourth form verb. Which, if you have studied some Arabic grammar and some morphology, some sarf of the verbs, you will know that being on the fourth form pattern, which means to make something happen for somebody or something else. So to make someone sit down would be ajlasa, or to make somebody stand would be akama. For example, so in this case, what the Prophet ﷺ is asking from Sayyidina Bilal anhu, is to make us be comforted by the prayer, make us be delighted by the prayer, make us be tranquil in our hearts. But of course, we don't really have a verb like that in English, uh, which gives that explicit meaning just so concisely. So that's why we say comfort us by it. Um, which doesn't really convey the whole meaning, but uh, inshallah, it gives a portion of it across. And it also means to make us happy by it, because that's really what the prayer does. It gives us a deep contentment and happiness and joy. And what he's saying there is, alayhi salatu wasalam, stand up and call the adhan and enable us, inshallah, to enter into prayer. So why did the Prophet ﷺ want to be brought comfort through his prayer? Because he also said that his prayer was made The prayer was made, the coolness of his eyes. And that's a dua when children are born and we say to the parents, Oh, may your child be the coolness of your eyes. It means that it's something that when you look at it, it gives you the most deep and profound sense of comfort and joy. What was the Prophet ﷺ meaning by that? And inshallah, Imam Ghazali and with our commentary of uh, Imam al-Jawi, they open the doors to that inshallah. Okay, so let's begin with the text. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Imam Ghazali, may we benefit from his knowledge in the dunya and akhirah. Amin. He says, Adab al-Salah, the etiquette of prayer. فَإِذَا فَرَقْتَ مِنْ طَهَارَةِ الْحَدَثِ وَطَهَارَةِ الْخَبَثِ فِي الْبَدَنِ وَالثِّيَابِ وَالْمَكَانِ وَمِنْ سَتْرِ الْعَوْرَةِ مِنَ السُرَّةِ إِلَى رُكْبَةِ فَاسْتَقْبَلِ الْقِبْلَةَ قَائِمًا مُرَاوِحًا بَيْنَ قَدَمَيْكِ بِحَيْثُ لَا تَضَمُّهُمَا وَاسْتَحْوِي قَائِمًا وَقْرَأْ كُلَ عُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ تَحَصُّنًا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَأَحْضِرْ قَلْبَكَ وَفَرِّقْهُ مِنَ الْوَسْوَاسِ وَانْذُرْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ مَنْ تَكُومُ وَمَنْ تُنَاجِي وَاسْتَحْيِي أَنْ تُنَاجِيَ مَوْلَاكَ بِقَلْبٍ غَافِلٍ وَصَدْرٍ مَشْحُونٍ بِوَسْوَاسِ الدُّنْيَا وَخَبَائِثِ الشَّهْوَاتِ Okay, first of all, Imam Ghazali tells us that when you have finished purifying yourself and purifying your body and your clothes, and surroundings of any impurities and after you have covered your nakedness from your navel to your knees and that, that would be the case for men face the qibla the direction of prayer standing with your feet apart not touching each other stand up straight and recite surah nas seeking protection with it from shaitan the accursed make your heart present and empty yourself of other thoughts consider before whom you are standing and upon whom you are calling you should be ashamed to enter into intimate discourse with your master with a heart that is heedless and a breast full of thoughts of this world and the dross of lowly desires. Okay, Imam al-Jawi, mashallah, 
His commentary now about those statements is as follows. What's required from this statement of when you finish purifying yourself and purifying your body and clothes is that you purify them of the hadath al-azhar wal-akbar. So that would be the minor ritual impurity and major ritual impurity because we know we cannot stand to pray if we're in any state of ritual impurity. And he says, min taharatil khabath bifathatain with two fathas khabath. So that means najis alladhi la yu'fa anhu. So that's najas that would not be overlooked. Okay, so if it is that you have some blood on you from a cut, like a significant amount, or if you had, uh, for example, your child, your baby's uh, nappies or diapers had leaked on you, for example, I mean, this is quite common, and it was on your clothes, you'd have to make sure that you'd wash that off. So those things wouldn't be overlooked. What would be overlooked, for example, is if you were a butcher and you had a few drops of animal blood on your clothing, for example, because that would be sort of part of your work and that that might be overlooked. But if you were a student of knowledge and you were to walk around with the drops of blood on your clothes, that wouldn't be overlooked. Now, there's a mistake here that I've made in a previous episode um, with the pronunciation of that word, al-khabath, and I think I pronounced it khubath. Khubath is another word which means something that's vile and filthy, and that can mean in the physical sense and also in the metaphysical sense. And I think I actually read it twice in one episode the wrong way, and that means one thing. But this word khabath means, as I've just said, the najasa which would not be overlooked. So I just want to correct that mistake that I've made previously, so please forgive me for that, and know that this is the correct pronunciation for the khabath, which is the najasa. So he says that you need to purify yourself of the all forms of impurification, major and minor, all forms of actual uh, filth, najasa, from your body. And he says here, So even in your mouth and your nose and your eye and your ear. So again, if you have any type of najasa there, you need to remove it. With the ab and also in your clothes. Anything, any any type of clothing that you're wearing or anything that's attached to your body. Um, so that might be your scarf. It might be a headband that you've got on. It could be something stuck on some jewellery that you're wearing. Whatever it is that's mahmul, that's being carried by your body or attached to your body, um, that needs to be purified. And the makan, the place. So the place that you pray in. So that would be your actual prayer mat or towel or whatever you pray on, because you can pray on absolutely anything. And of course, you can pray on the ground. Um, the whole world has been made a masjid, so we don't need to actually have an official or formal prayer mat, although, of course, that helps for our cleanliness and that helps us, but it's not uh, necessary. And then he says, So you need to make sure that your Aura, your nakedness, is covered. So for men, that means from the navel to the knee. And for the woman in prayer, it means the entire body except for the face and the hands. Now, in some schools of thought, the woman's feet do not need to be covered. In the Shafi school, which is the school of Imam Ghazali, your feet do need to be covered. So when all those conditions for entering the prayer, which is the external conditions, have been met, then Imam Ghazali says... فَاسْتَقْبِلْ الْقِبْلَةَ قَائِمًا 
So face the qibla standing, and that means to face with your chest. So it doesn't mean like facing with your side or your back to it or anything. It means you're between your shoulders. Your shoulders should be directly facing the direction of prayer. And he says with your feet about a hand span apart. So your feet should not be completely close together and they shouldn't be so spaced out that they would actually come outside of the periphery of your shoulders. So you should just be standing with your feet comfortably spaced apart. That's for men and women. You do not need to touch the feet or the ankles of the person praying next to you. You just need to have your feet spaced apart in a relaxed way. And also Imam Ujawi says that you don't place one foot in front of the other like you would in a running position. So if you're about, if you're at the starting line for a running race and you've got one foot forward and one foot back, it's not like that. And also you don't stand leaning on one leg like you would do if you were a teenager with an attitude and you lean on one leg with your hands on your hips. No, no, you have straight knees, your shoulders are square towards the qibla and your head should be lowered. So he says here that as for your head, the best for it is to be lowered. So looking down, he says, Because it brings you closer to khushu' or it resembles khushu' more, that you're in a state of humbleness and awe and reverence of your Lord, the one you're praying to, and it's more lowering for the gaze. Then Imam Ghazali says that after you have stood ready to pray, then read Surah An-Nas, nas tahassunan, which means for protection. And Imam Ujawi tells us also, tahaffudan biha, that you read it seeking protection and that you read it so that you will have yourself like in a shield and that you can't be attacked or that shield cannot be penetrated by the shaitan but it's like you put this force field around yourself by saying that and that's the best thing to do because we all know how distracted our minds can become whilst we're in our prayer then imam ghazali says and make your heart present and al-jawi tells us that the making of your heart present this is actually what is called khushur so khushur is knowing that your heart is aware and actually in the state that it's required to be in, that it has humbleness, that it has a reverential awe, that it has a fear and that you are also still. But he will go into that in a little bit more in a moment. And he says, and empty your heart of waswas, of all oh, the waswasa of the shaitan. And also Imam Ujawi tells us that waswasa is hadith nafs so it's your own inner thoughts it's the own way that you preoccupy yourself with the thoughts that come in and out that pass in and out of your mind all the time he says that when you have emptied your mind of thoughts and your heart and your mind of thoughts that this is most helpful to you for helping you attain this state of khushur or presence of heart then imam ghazali says one thought so look, but not look as in seeing, but ta'amal. So contemplate and think. So think, look, ponder, reflect, contemplate. In front of who are you standing and who are you calling upon? But really that word calling means who are you whispering to? 
It literally means to whisper. And who are you having an intimate conversation with? And when you pray, you are literally whispering. And who are you whispering that to? So when you say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, who are you talking to? And that's what the whole point of bringing your heart present is about. It's about knowing exactly what you're doing and what you're saying and being extremely aware and mindful, real mindfulness, and being extremely conscious of to whom your speech, your whispering is directed. And this really makes a difference because if we go into our prayer and we're not aware of that, then our talk, it's just words that come from us. We may not understand them. We may not even be present in those words. We might be saying those words and have a million other ideas and thoughts running through our minds and not even knowing what we're doing there other than the physical and ritual performance of an activity that we know that we want to be engaged in at that time. Imam Mujawi says, and who are you calling upon? Who are you whispering to? And what are you whispering with? And he says, Revere and venerate the value and worth of that secret and intimate conversation that you are engaged in. This is Imam Ghazali's advice. Wastahi means ashamed of. So be, be conscious of in a modest way. So be shy about. Um, again, one of those words that doesn't really have a full English translation because it doesn't really translate the whole concept. So istihya is to be or have a state of or be seeking a state of modesty and shame. And so he says, وَاسْتَحِيلُ Be aware and ashamed of calling upon your Lord بِقَلْبٍ غافل, With a heart that is heedless, with a heart that is negligent, with a heart that isn't aware and isn't paying attention and isn't in tune to the one that you are calling upon. He says also, be aware or وَاسْتَحِي So be ashamed of calling upon your Lord with a chest or with a heart he says, and also be ashamed of calling upon your Lord with a chest, literally chest, but it means a heart that is filled with the waswasa of the dunya. And this is you actually thinking about all your affairs. Then Imam Ghazali goes on. وَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مُطَلِّيٌ عَلَى سَرِيرَتِكَ وَنَاظِرٌ إِلَى قَلْبِكَ وَإِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ صَلَاتَكَ بِقَدْرِ خُشُوعِكَ وَتَوَاضُعِكَ وَخُضُوعِكَ وَتَضَرُّعِكَ وَعْبُدُهُ فِي صَلَاتِكَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَحْضُرْ قَلْبُكَ فَهَذَا لِقُسُورِ مَعْرِفَتَكَ بِجَلَالِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فقدر أن رجلا صالحا من وجوه أهل بيتك ينظر إليك ليعلم كيف صلاتك فعند ذلك يحضر قلبك وتسكن جوارحك ثم ارجع على نفسك وكل ألا تستحي من خالقك ومولاك إذ قدرت اطلاع عبد ذليل من عباده عليك وَلَيْسَ بِيَدِهِ يَضَرُّكِ وَلَا نَفْعُكِ خَشَعَتْ جَوَارِحُكِ 
وحسنت صلاتك ثم إنك تعلمين أنه مطلي عليك ولا تخشين لعظمته أهو تعالى أقل عندك من عبد من عباده فما أشد تغيانك وجهلك وما أعظم عدواتك لنفسك Oh, big words, scary. Because Imam Ghazali is basically, it's like having a slap in the face and being told, hey, you wake up, what are you doing? And what do you even need to do in order to wake up? And it's quite humiliating, really, to have it put like this. So let's see what he says. Know that Allah Most High is observing your inner self and beholding your heart. Truly Allah Almighty accepts your prayer based only on the degree of your awe, humility, surrender and submissive entreaty. Worship him in your prayer as if you see him or knowing that even though you do not see him, he sees you. If your heart does not come to presence, this is due to a shortcoming in your gnosis of the magnificence of Allah Most High. Therefore, Imagine that a pious man from among the respected people of your community is watching you to see how your prayer is. At this your heart will become present and your limbs peaceful. Then ask yourself, are you not embarrassed in front of your creator and master? When you imagined being observed by one of his humble slaves who has no means to benefit or harm you, your limbs became submissive and your prayer improved? Yeah, Abe. Yet you know that Allah is observing you and you do not humble yourself before His Majesty. Is He most high lower to you than one of His slaves? How great is your tyranny, how severe your ignorance and how greatly you wrong yourself. Al-Jawi explains to us that no, when it is that you're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your prayer, that He is looking at your innermost self which means that he's looking at what is hidden inside your heart so he says so he says so stand in front of Allah the type of way in which you would stand in front of the kings and rulers of the time so we can imagine how that stance would be and looking at your heart And he says, and imagine when you're in your prayer that the Jannah, paradise, is on your right-hand side and that the fire is on your left. And know that if your heart is busy with thinking about the Akhirah, then this will cut you off from the Waswasa, so from your own dunya thinkings. And that this type of imagining will be the cure or the remedy, the medicine that's required to push away the Waswasa of the Shaitan. And that this is from a book, he says, called Awarif al-Ma'arif which is a very famous book on Tasawwuf by a scholar called Ahsuhra Wardi. Now, one of the most important points, and if you don't get anything from this or from any other thing that you've ever learnt about the prayer, then this is the most important point that you should know and remember and have stuck in your heart and your mind always. And it is, as Imam Ghazali says, فَإِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنْ صَلَاتِكَ بِقَدْرِ خُشُوعِكَ That Allah only accepts your prayer based on the degree of your awe, humility, surrender and submissive entreaty. So let's see what Al-Jawi says about that. Because a person can pray and have absolutely none of those qualities. 
and those states at all in the prayer. And then we expect Allah to accept that from us, which indeed, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he very well may do. And this is Allah's mercy upon us and not because of the quality of our deed. But the point is that if a person is heedless and if they're not paying attention, then we're told that Allah won't accept the portion of the prayer that you were not present in. So the khushur, as Imam Ujawi reminds us, is the presence of the heart. And khudur is the stillness of the limbs. So not only should the heart be still and focus the limbs as well. And the tawadu' is the humbleness or at-tadallul, which is the lowering of oneself. And al-tadarru' is the sincerity in your du'a. So tadarru is like you're pleading and you're imploring Allah. And a person can plead and implore and beg and ask of Allah everything. But the real state of that depends on how sincere the person is in asking for, for those things, not on how it looks outwardly. And if you have nothing of the outward performance of it, but your heart is genuinely sincere, then you will have fulfilled that, inshallah. So they are really the most important states to be in. Imam Ujawi goes on and he says, there are four aspects of the prayer. And it's sort of a bit of a summary of that. And he says, Hudur al-Qalb, which is the presence of the heart. Washuhud al-Aqal. So this is the presence of the mind. So where the mind is not wandering. Washuhud al-Nafs. So having a submissive or a, a nafs, a lower self which has submitted. Washuhud al-Arkan. And that is the obedience of the limbs and not moving too much except if it's absolutely necessary. And he says that hudur al-qalb, the presence of the heart, lifts the hijab. So not the literal hijab on your head, but the hijab, the veils. So whatever it is that is veiling you and obstructing you from understanding, from knowing, and from having that gnosis of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the heart is present, then what is in the way gets lifted. And the presence of mind lifts the itab, which means that anything that you would be censured for or rebuked for because of a wandering mind wouldn't be existent. So it lifts that option there or that possibility. So it closes the door to you being rebuked for your poor state. Wahudu and nafs and lowering oneself and having a submissive lower self, fathul abawab, it opens the doors the spiritual doors. And that the obedience of the limbs indicates to the presence of the thawab. So that means outwardly as well, because even if a person inwardly is not present at all in their prayer, their prayer is still accepted because outwardly it's been performed according to the sharia. So a person can complete a full prayer, not even know that they've done it, but it's still a valid prayer because it's fulfilled everything outwardly that it has been required to fulfill from a sharia, from a fiqh perspective. He goes on to tell us that whoever comes to the prayer in a state of other than presence of heart, then he's prayed like a joke. And whoever comes to the prayer without the presence of mind, then he's prayed the prayer of the one who is heedless and forgetful. And whoever comes to the prayer without having a submissive nafs, then he has prayed the prayer of a person who is in error. And whoever comes to the prayer 
without having obedience in their limbs, then he has prayed the prayer of the unrefined person. So someone who's coarse and rough. And then he says, and whoever comes to the prayer in the way in which it has been described, then he comes to the prayer complete. This is also in the same book, Awarif al-Ma'arif. Then another hadith is mentioned, لَيْسَ لِلْمَرْءِ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ إِلَّا مَا أَقَلْ So there is nothing for a man of his prayer except for what he is present in mind of. Then we go on to explain that how Allah is looking at us. So we know that comes from the hadith Jibreel, that ihsan, that excellence. So we have Islam, Iman and ihsan. And we know that ihsan is أَن تَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ is to worship Allah as though you see him and if it is that you don't see him then know that he sees you. So what does that mean here? Well literally that. So Imam Jawi tells us that be in your prayer in the state as though you are looking at Allah and if it is that you do that then it means that you've actually stood in your worship of Allah singling him out so being single-minded in your focusing upon him and it means that you won't have left anything of what you're able to fulfill of those four states and also of the husna semt which means being in a good state of tranquility and protection of the heart and the limbs from wandering both uh, metaphorically and physically and that you would have brought together or you would have made synchronous and in a form of synthesis your outer and your inner forms. And if it is that you don't come to the prayer in that state, then what sort of state have you come in? So this is our goal, okay? This is what we need to have in our mind as the perfect way to enter into prayer and to try to the best of our ability to seek day by day to achieve that step by step, inshallah, and Allah is the most merciful and kind. But the most important thing is that we know what's required of us internally, just as well as we know what is required of us externally, inshallah. Then he goes on to talk about that if it is that you cannot bring your heart to be present and that you cannot keep your limbs still, then this is because of the deficiency in your knowledge of the greatness, the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now Imam Ghazali provides the remedy and he says, so imagine that you're standing and as we've said that someone significant or of status from your community has come to look at how you pray. And if it is that you know that you're being watched by someone, then your heart will become present and your limbs will become still. And really that's Imam Ghazali saying to us, we are very, very tragic creatures. I mean, look at us. You know, if this is this, if this is what we have to do in order to pull ourselves together, then this is really sad. However, sometimes the saddest things are required to snap people out of their state of heedlessness and to bring us back to the state in which we should be, which is aware and alive and conscious of Allah all the time. And then he tells us that if it is that you've put this person who can't do anything for you in place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if it is that suddenly your worship's gotten a little bit more focused because you think another human being like you is there and fixing you up 
then he's saying, are you putting that person above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So why is it that you can't pull yourself together for Allah, in front of Allah, but that you need to imagine something else? And that uh, reminds me of something I heard from one of our teachers who said that this coronavirus has stopped people from going out and particularly stopped women from going out to parties and going out to nightclubs and getting dressed in the provocative way that women dress on a daily basis. This has actually stopped that from happening. And he said, and if it is that the Muslim women are also engaging in that type of dress code in a way that doesn't really suit their state as a believing woman, then how come it took the coronavirus to bring that about and they couldn't do that, they couldn't stop those things for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's always there and who's the one who is in control of this virus anyway. So it's the same type of idea here that something external has to bring us to our senses instead of us being in a state of consciousness and awareness that it's Allah anyway that we should be doing this for. When Imam Ghazali rebukes us or potentially rebukes us with the question of is it that you have made Allah smaller than this humble servant who you imagining is looking upon you, he says, So how shadid, how extreme is your inner state of disobedience? And that really is what it is. It's like, I can do anything externally for anyone else, but my inside is untamed. My inside is undisciplined. My inside is unrefined and ignorant. And that's the extent to which our own selves are our own enemies. So we know that our enemies are four. It's our own lower self, as just been described here. It's the dunya, this worldly life. It's the shaitan, who's our enemy and our hawa, so our desires and caprices. Then in the final paragraph, Imam Ghazali says, فَعَالِجْ قَلْبَكَ بِهَذِهِ الْحِيلَ فَعَسَاهُ أَنْ يَحْضُرَ مَعَكَ فِي صَلَاتِكَ فَإِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنْ صَلَاتِكَ إِلَّا مَا أَقَلْتَ مِنْهَا وَأَمَّا مَا أَتَيْتَ بِهِ مَعَ الْغَفْلَةِ then he says, So now he goes on to the actual performance of the prayer, which we'll do in another episode. But this last part here, he says, So treat your heart or remedy or cure or find a way of overcoming this illness of your heart. And he uses their alij, which literally means to cure or remedy in a medicinal sense as well. So... Cure your heart with this trick, okay, with this trick that you're playing on yourself that someone's watching you in the hope that it will be present with you in your prayer for verily and again nothing of your prayer counts except that in which you are mindful. As for the part that you performed with heedlessness, it is in more need of repentance and expiation. Then he says, once your heart is present, do not omit the call to commence, which is the akama, even if you are alone. So that's the other part. And here we have some good advice, alhamdulillah. When Imam Jawi tells us about remedying ourselves with this trick, that when Imam Ghazali says that there is nothing for you of the prayer except that for which you had a presence of mind, so Imam Jawi tells us, so that which you contemplated and reflected upon and understood, 
and that means in terms of what you read of the Quran and the adhkar that you made. So that will be the formulaic expressions of Subhanahu Rabbi Al-Azim or Subhanahu Rabbi Al-Ala and Allahu Akbar, Sami Allahu Liman Hamida. So the actual du'as and dhikrs that you read in the prayer and the istighfar, so seeking forgiveness and contemplating upon your state are the most required actions that you can perform with regards to your heedlessness. And the advice also that we're told and that we should remember because Allah is most merciful and if we have presence of heart at the beginning and then absolutely nothing until the very end, then inshallah the beginning and the end will cover what's in the middle. So the goal is when you're praying and you feel your mind wandering or you feel yourself thinking or feeling about other things other than focusing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then bring yourself back inshallah before the prayer ends. So try hard not to let the prayer pass and be completed without bringing yourself back to a state or a better state or the best state that you could be in to actually complete the prayer. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So inshallah, that should be enough to understand these very great meanings. And know too that the prayer is what differentiates us from other people. And every prophet had their own prayer and the people of those prophets had their prayers and their forms of worship. And that this salah, this is our prayer. And this is what really makes us Muslim because all the other pillars of Islam cannot be performed for certain sharia reasons except for the prayer. So if it is that you are sick, you don't fast and you may or may not make that up. If it is that you never had any money or there was never a safe path, then it's not compulsory for you to perform the hajj. Or if it is that you never had enough money to reach the minimum requirement for paying zakah, then it's not obligatory on you to pay the zakah. However, the prayer is the one pillar of our faith which we never ever leave. Right down to our last moments, right in the depths of our illness, it doesn't matter what state we're in, whether we're waking up from a general anesthetic or whether we are on our deathbed. The prayer is something that should be so ingrained in our being that we never forget it. And we ask Allah to surround us with people who will always remind us of it and who will always help us to perform it, even if it means performing it in your own mind because you're so incapacitated, you can't do it any other way. And we seek refuge in Allah from bad states, even though we know that illness can be purifying and is a purification, but still nobody wants to think of themselves as being so sick or in so much pain or so incapacitated, but we don't know what will come. We don't know what is good for us. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything, even what looks from the outside as being bad. We don't know how ultimately good that will be for us and how we will benefit from that on the day of judgment. So we say, Alhamdulillahi fi kulli had. So all praises for Allah in every state and in every time and in every moment. The greatest way to praise Allah and to say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen is with our prayer. And what better way to pray than in this complete way that's been described by Imam Ghazali and commented and expanded upon by Imam Al-Jawi. So we ask Allah to accept from us our intentions and to help us improve our prayer, inshallah, so that we can be of those who truly pray when we turn five times or more a day to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask him to accept that from us, to bless us with that and to increase our understanding and our proximity to him through this most magnificent and noble act of worship. 
inşallah. Ve sallallahu ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alemin. Subhanakallahumma ve bihamdik. Eşhedü en la ilahe illa ent. Estağfiruka ve atubu ileyk. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu.